well. How art thou? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, Lord, here we go. <laughs> oh, my gosh, y'all. Seriously. Um... <laughs> Y'all, doesn't Jolene look amazing? Doesn't she look? You look good. You look gorgeous. <laughs> you look gorgeous. No. It's, I'm having studio issues right now, and I swear this light is making my forehead look like I'm related to Riri right now. So, how y'all doing? <laughs> how are you doing, Mark? I am. Look, it's been a lot going on, but you know. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for today's episode because as you know, when we get to talk about these types of things, I get mm -hmm. extremely excited. So uh, but first things first, I want to dedicate this episode to a few people. Oh nice. uh, number one, I definitely want to de dedicate this episode to my wife, you know, Erica. I love you so much. Um, I know that you've gone through quite a bit, and so I just want to dedicate it to you, the family, the kids, nieces and nephews. Shout outs to my nieces, uh Zamaya. Nuani, Malaya, Zaza, and of course, to my other side, uh, you know, pretty much Anais, Kalian, and Noah. Um, it's been a trying time going on on this side of the pond, but, you know, my greatest love language to each and every single one of you is my knowledge and wisdom that I can bestow upon each and every single one of you. So love each and every single one of you. Let's get this episode popping. You're muted, but that's okay. <laughs> that was sweet. That was sweet. All right, so let's get it started. What's good, everybody? I am Mark Monroe, accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, co-creator, and all things galactic. Give it up for none other than the wonderful. It's Jill and in the place to be. What does it, cousins, on this fine Tuesday? Score. <laughs> Score. <laughs> all right. Absolutely. And welcome to Executive Education, where pretty much it's all about making sure that you are prepared for not only what's happening today, taking all the information of what's happening in the markets, but also within the business world, because they definitely co-mingle with one another and essentially get you prepared. So let's get some of the obvious stuff out of the way. Like, for example, if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and hit the subscribe button down below. If you like the type of energy and the vibes that we bring forth and you already know the type of education that you're going to get today, which is going to always be something special every Tuesday, then go ahead and hit that like button. Just just let's just get it out of the way. And on top of that, if you want to be in the know, like, I don't know who was first today. Who was I first? Who it was, was Uncle first? Charles. What? It was Uncle okay. Charles. First. Coming through on that energy also talking about like, look, let's go. All right. So. Sorry for eating that snack. I just wanted to like literally get a different flavor in my mouth from something else that I had ate. So, all right. So without further ado, just cue that intro. something about that intro that just always gets me like you know oh, like i'm just ready to go so you ready to go Joel? i am i'm hoping that all my technology holds up 
Uh, it will. We we are going to go ahead and claim that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're just going to claim it right now. Uh, shout outs for Bar Chart. Uh, also, you know, it's kind of like an anniversary date for me and Bar Chart. Uh, so uh, I felt like yeah. I was, you know, let's go ahead and throw some love up in the chat for them. So if you use Bar Chart and if you love their services uh, like I do, go ahead and just, you know, type a, I don't know, type Bar Chart or be in the chart. chat. There is a chart emoji. There is? Oh, there is? Okay, well, yeah. Let's let's go ahead and throw up the chart emojis oh, for Bar Chart. All right, so so last week we just dis we discussed uh disruptive strategy. Mm -hmm. And I kind of felt like it was like a like a two-part piece that was kind of missing, and we were trying to get like to the end of it. And I felt like we kind of like missed some of the pieces in there. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, giving a lot of <laughs> for example, giving a lot of examples. Uh, and so today, I just definitely want to make sure that we leave no stone unturned. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of investors or a lot of folks sit back and ask me, even founders sit back and ask me when they come forth with an idea that, you know, that they think that is very disruptive. And then when we sit down and have a conversation, they're wondering like, okay, Mark, this was my idea, like a simple idea, but then how did you take it to like... <laughs> there mm -hmm. and so i'm going to give you guys kind of like that insight of how is it that i see things from a next level by looking at it from how other folks who have walked this path either before me or even walking on this path now so that way we can kind of like dissect and show you exactly how they think disruptively and everything else but first things first when we think about disruption and we're going to jump into this uh presentation real quick um let's see here all right so when we think about disruption because this is the future disruptors so if you think of yourself as a disruptor go ahead and type disruptor in the chat don't worry we will not get upset with you if you misspell it because we know where your heart is um but check this out disruption is not about tearing things down like a lot of folks think about it like in the sense of you know i'm here to like literally just break apart the entire system and sometimes it happens but it's about creating something new that fundamentally changes the way we think and behave. Mm. So when you think about some of the greatest disruptions out there, those were the fundamental pieces that it's always done. It's changed the way that how we think about things and how we go about our daily life. And it's about challenging the status quo. Like that's that's a major part to it. Challenging the status quo of what is versus challenging it to you know think about what will be and finding new solutions to old problems. Innovation requires risk-taking. So for anybody out there, you know, it's easy for us to look at a lot of the publicly traded companies and say, well, hey, you know, they're doing this. And, you know, some of it can become quite predictable because the larger that you get, the more that you start to take risk off of the table or that the risk is still there, but essentially that they've gotten so big that they can kind of like stomach that risk. Mm -hmm. So it's a multitude of different factors, but it takes risk-taking experimentation and we talked about those things last week we did but the willingness to fail like that's the major part like you have to be willing to fail in order to become successful at something you know risk taking has to be embraced you know you have like everybody always looks at it in the sense of okay hey i'm going to innovate this but they never really take into consideration you know that willingness and understanding that okay hey that this can screw up and i'm okay with that you know investors i always look at it like this investors and traders um somewhat share that but more so traders share that because trading is like being an entrepreneur or a founder of an idea and as a trader you look to validate that idea every single day as an entrepreneur you look to validate that idea every day and at any point in time just like a trade it can screw up and just like as an entrepreneur something can fail within the business, the market can make a, a drastic change. Think about the pandemic and how a lot of startups are no longer here today because of the fact that something just like the pandemic that swept over in a matter of what is it, 30 to 45 days, 
change the entire landscape of business. Like, <laughs> shout entire, out to Aisha. <laughs> huh? I said shout out to Aisha. <laughs> Indeed, we'll get to we'll get to Aisha and Jarvis later. Um, but you know, it's like as disruptors, though, we have the opportunity to shape the future and create new possibilities that were once upon a time unimaginable. Mm. Like that's like that's the biggest thing to like think about all those folks who built cities. You know, and that's why I think that this is a great, a great slide to start it off with. You know, it's pretty dope, Mark. I like it. You know, it, you know, we out here and we may show them how, how we got here, too. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, think about this, like, you know, think about the cities that exist, like the buildings that you see that were there that are being built today. Somebody once upon a time imagined that. And they had to fight through a lot of the things of people telling them, no, that will never work or whatever it may be. And here it stands today. Um, yeah, so there it is. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there because a lot of times we as a people, we have great ideas and we could be some of the world's greatest innovators, inventors um, that the world has has yet to see. And sometimes it's like, okay, hey, you kind of just have to see it. So, you know, let's get more so into the presentation, shall we? Yeah. All right. So, Jolyn, let's, let's talk about the definition of innovative companies. <sighs> Yeah, let's talk about it. All right, so let's read this quote, shall we? Uh, so do you want to take this slide or shall I? I'll read the quote. Okay. An innovative company, Mark. Did you know that it is one that <laughs> empowers its employees to think creatively, take risk, and push the boundaries of what's possible? It's a company that is always learning, always growing, and always evolving to meet the needs of its customers and the challenges of the market. Do you know who said that, Mark? Uh, one Mr. Satya Nadella. That would be correct. <laughs> Mark kinda cheated, you know, I kind of, I kind of GPT'd my way to that, but you know, <laughs> no. So, uh, all jokes aside, it it definitely speaks as it pertains to like when you think about like most innovative companies. Mm -hmm. the the entire fabric of what you see there is people are excited to go to work they're excited to like try to solve those problems that the company is focused on you know they're they're enthusiastic they can't they're excited to talk to their friends and their family and you know whoever else that will ever listen they'll shout to the rooftops about like the great things that they're working on when you're not at an innovative company um it's kind of like that what do you do kind of conversation when you first meet a person I hate those kinds. And they don't and they don't sound excited when they have to tell you what they do. <laughs> because they realize like, man, I just sat down and listened to all three other people in the room talk about all of the cool amazing companies or the amazing projects that they're working on and I'm not excited at, about about this project or about this company that I work for at all. It's just a paycheck. And so that's the differentiation. The people, the employees that are just there for a paycheck Versus mm -hmm. the folks who are still getting paid, but yet at the same token, they're excited for what they do, where they see the challenges and everything else. Those are some of the disruptive companies that you should definitely pay attention to. Well, I think that that also really does speak to the um, employees who feel like their contributions are valued. Yep. You know, when that happens, then it it makes it easier to be excited about what you're doing when you feel like acknowledged and seen. Indeed. So in that light, Let's talk about a company that we we discussed this last week. Mm -hmm. And so, as you know, like I said, we're going to be highlighting, you know, I'll try to at least highlight when we have these types of conversations, I'll try to highlight at least one company. Um, last week, we kind of discussed the Walker brand, but this was ultimately how it all started. 
for the company Bevel. Like, do you know which product was the first product that he sold? I thought it was just the razor. It was. It was the razor. And then ultimately it led to a major kit. And it was this razor that was something that fundamentally changed the entire shaving industry or, you know, I guess men's men's beauty or whatever you want to call it, men's grooming industry, um, which later spawned so many other things. But this was the, the thing that got it started for Tristan Walker. This was a system, something that was yet so simple, but yet at the same token, so disruptive. And so when we think about that, like, you know, when we look at those key factors of how they did it, you know, the moment was is where it was the creation of a line of grooming products for people of color that were, you know, completely underserved, you know, by the likes of the other major, you know, companies out there, like the Gillettes of the world and, you know, the Schicks or whoever else there is. Um, and so again, it's like, this was something that it didn't have to be super duper groundbreaking, but it served a major part in a market space that again, you know, reinvented something that was already there that ultimately challenged the status quo and look at it today. Now you see what has changed in that entire industry. So what, you know, how did the market change? Right. Cause you know, when he started creating lines of products for people of color, Mm-hmm. You know, after doing something like that, that literally forced the hands of a lot of other beauty or men's grooming products, whatever you want to call it, to really wake up and realize, hey, we need to start thinking about a more diverse, you know, audience and not just serving people who just like look like everybody else in these boardrooms, but also the consumers out there and whom wish that are going to utilize these products. And honestly, it's like, you know, if you are going to look, if you want to look uh, for that, really that spark that really started that, then look no further than, you know, the Walker brand. So, you know, I have to give him a shout out for that one because it was an uphill battle for him too. Mm. It was a very much so uphill battle because of the fact that challenge is getting the word out, especially within the community, mm-hmm. you know, and then on top of that, you know, the tr- building up that trust and everything else. And, you know, again, shout outs to him because he stuck with his guns, even when people told him to quit or that this was not going to work. It's like, look, look at me now. <laughs> Without the reason. Look at me now without the razor bumps. I mean, I mean, honestly, you wouldn't see you wouldn't see Rihanna's products or any other company if it wasn't for, you know, Tristan Walker and Walker brand. Wow, that's saying a lot. But just imagine if these larger companies think about how much market share they would have had if they didn't treat everyone else on the planet, like the global majority as an afterthought, you know? So let's get let's let's get back into it, shall we? Now, of course, let's get the most obvious company out of the way when we think about disruptors. Let's talk about my boo Tesla. All right, let's talk about it. So, all right, so when we think about it, like you know, Tesla has disrupted the traditional automobile uh, industry by, of course, as we know, creating high-performing and luxurious electric vehicles. Um, we know that part of the story, and then of course, their manufacturing has set them apart from other auto manufacturers. So Tesla's commitment to, of course, you know, they're they're driving off of one or two core fundamentals, which is to the sustainability and renewable energy aligns with uh, growing consumer demand for eco-friendly products. So that right there is major. So let's let's read into the notes for those and who much that are going to be just like listening, because, you know, I, th- I think that this really just uh, speaks to it. So, of course, here are the major areas in which that I believe, you know, that are Tesla's future. You know, these are the areas in where. And, and here's the thing, and we'll, we'll bring me back on camera for this one. When we think about Tesla and any company that we talk about, I want each and every single one of you 
here's a secret for every single one of you, especially that are paying attention to publicly traded companies, whether in uptimes or in downtimes of the market, always pay attention to where is the company spending its capital. Mm. Where a company is spending its capital is where is it that they're making the biggest bet. Now, whether or not the bet is going to pay off, hey, that's risk for you. <laughs> it's the reason why we play. You got to pay to play. But at the same token, you know, what happens when the risk pays off? Major. So I, I just wanted to let you guys know this because it's like, you know, that's a major part for me when I look at, you know, publicly traded companies. But even when I look at, say, for example, startups, I look at where is it that they focus their attention? Because where they focus attention is exactly where their passion is and where they see that future of the next iteration that's being built. So I'm going to blow this up on screen because, of course, we got a lot of text here. All right. So, of course, battery technology, Tesla has invested heavily and developing better, more efficient, and less expensive batteries for their vehicles and energy storage products. Of course, autonomous driving. Uh, Tesla is working on and improving its self-driving technology uh, through better sensors, computer vision, and machine learning algorithms. Jolyn, have you used your FSD yet? Yes, Mark. Why you say it like that? Yes. Oh, I'm, no, no, no. I wasn't... I, Bro, I wasn't putting you on blast because I, I thought that was just a subtle flex, but okay. All right. <laughs> no, I use it. I don't use it all the time, though, but I do use it on occasion. Gotcha. All right. And so then we got vehicle design and engineering. Tesla constantly uh, is constantly innovating its vehicle designs to improve performance, safety, and range. Now, a lot of you will say, well, Mark, they kind of look the same. But yet at the same token, they do. But at the same token, the functionality, like the aerodynamics is a major part in which that is ultimately setting precedent. If you look at some of the new vehicles that are coming out, they're really adopting some of those same tactics that Tesla has done, even in the sense of like, think about what they did with just the, the wheels of the car, right? Talk about the it. wheels itself gives significant range to the car that improves the aerodynamics so that way you're not having to use so much energy just to accelerate. You know, yeah. the regenerative braking, you know, that adds extra energy to the car. These are things that you're starting to see across the energy, across the industry that are starting to become more mainstream. Go ahead. I was going to ask you now, how does how is the aerodynamics like in, impacted if, say, for example, you tend to like always scrape the sides of your um, hubcaps all the time? <laughs> how does that change? I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> I'm going to leave you alone. Look here. Look. Hubcap. I could take that part off, right? You can. You can. But, you know, again, <laughs> let's just move on. <laughs> let's, let's just get back to it. All right. And then we think about like something like, uh, you know, vehicle design. So we, we talked about that as it pertains to performance, safety and range. But then we also look at things like, for example, energy storage solutions. Now, of course, this has been the biggest like Achilles to Tesla that they've been taking one of the biggest lumps in the market in this sector, which is their energy uh, storage solutions. Now, on the enterprise side for their energy storage solutions, the business is doing very well. But on the consumer side, they definitely have been struggling a little bit. Um, and so when we think Wait, about it, think the acquisition, fun? say that again. Why do you think that is like the consumer struggle piece? Um, because one, it's like it's expensive. You know, when you when you look at, OK, let me let me come back on screen for this one. Mm -hmm. So when we think about like, you know, any type of technology that's like really at its very much so infancy stage, mm -hmm. like look at the cost of what it used to cost, like what it used to cost everybody just to have a, a desktop computer at home. Right. It was ridiculously expensive. Like it was like, what was it like four or five grand? just to have some <laughs> <Clunky>. <laughs> terrible performance, clunky desktop. And then it's like, if you notice, or let's even come even, even more in focus. Let's look at, let's say, um, 
let's look at TVs, 4K TVs. Mm-hmm. And remember how exp- ridiculously expensive they started out where they were like thousands of dollars? Now you can go to a, a Best Buy and buy a 4K TV for like 300 bucks. You know, yeah. it just yeah. it just really goes to show you now, of course, you know, you make some trade-offs in the technology. But yet at the same token, as things start to become more mainstream, then essentially they start to become a part of the norm. Now, of course, there are certain things that are part of the house that are always going to be expensive roof being one of them. Uh, and then of course, you know, those types of things as it pertains to installation and all those other things. And it's, you know, how often does a person replace a roof? So I think that we haven't reached that stage yet in that 30 year cycle where people really are, you know, everybody's just like, I need to get a new roof. I need to get a new roof. So, Mm, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, but the biggest thing is, is like, you know, I guess the best thing to look at is, you know, as it pertains to the energy storage is, Look at what they're doing on the charging station side, you know, so like where they what is it over 45,000 superchargers around the world, um, which is huge. They are constantly building them. They're Mm -hmm. always popping up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's like, you know, what once upon a time seemed so expensive to do now, once it gets rolling, it starts to pick up enough inertia and speed. Where over time you'll start to see that those costs come down. Now, Mark, have and you? That's what, no, huh? go, ahead. go ahead. No, I, I was going to ad lib something. Go ahead. Okay, so I want to know: Have you? Um, I guess maybe like I don't know. It doesn't have to be recent, but have you mapped out like a road trip and like mm-hmm. use the charging stations as your guide? Oh yes. <laughs> like I like the fact that it automatically does that. But you know, let's yeah. stop flexing on them on, in the world of Tesla. I'm not so. flexing. I'm just asking a question. <laughs> She's not even trying. Okay. All right. So let's get on to NVIDIA, right? So now, if you were listening to the conversations that we were having about NVIDIA back in October, then kudos to you because, you know, even before then, congratulations. You're, you're the real MVP. You said what? I said even before then, though. It's true. You know, sometimes it's like you shout it to the, to the mountaintops, but, you know, let's talk about, you know, NVIDIA for a hot second and their AI driven disruption, you know, because honestly, you know, this is one of the most beautiful stories. And people think that honestly, that the story is coming to its end. No. And so wait, 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 wait. Before I even do that, I got to go back for a second. I got to go back a slide because, what are we forgetting? you know, I got to think about like, you know, before then, it's like a lot of folks are like, well, what's the future? Oh, yeah. What, you know? what is the future, Mark? So that's an interesting question. But, you know, honestly, you know, in the next two to five years, to we're five. probably going to definitely we're definitely going to see two more vehicles hit the street um, outside of the Cybertruck, mm-hmm. or, you know, at least be introduced. So it'll probably be it's it's time that we start thinking about families and the affordable family. Now that you've literally had, you know, you know, the high price market, it's now time to, like, make the everyday car for everybody. They started off with the Model 3. And, you know, even I think that that price can come down. So you'll probably see a twenty-two dollars to $25,000 car. And then, of course, you got Cybertruck for pickup. And then, of course, you got, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a van for either it could be either for commercial, for like, you know, delivery, or it could also just be for, you know, just your day to day business. Um, so I think that those are going to be the arenas that are next. I think that energy storage is going to be huge, which is going to be a major part I think that they can use the energy storage to also help start powering cities and neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some of the things that I'm going to look at. I think that the biggest play for Tesla moving forward is definitely going to be infrastructure. I mean, the cars and everything else, I feel like that's now becoming the window dressing. Mm-hmm. But if you look underneath the hood, you know, no pun intended, 
Um, I think that you're going to definitely see that it's going to be more so an infrastructure play over the next you know, five to 10 years. Oh, Mark, I welcome the disruption in my um, electricity bill. Okay. <laughs> it's expensive. It's true. All right. So moving forward for every slide that we talk about, I'm going to like literally try to give you an idea of a projection of its future. Is that yeah. fair for everybody? Yeah, I'm gonna remind you if you forget. That's cool, that is all right. <laughs> all right, so now let's get back to uh, NVIDIA's, NVIDIA's AI-driven uh, <laughs> disruption. Um, so the company's GPUs are widely used in gaming, but also in scientific and industrial applications, such as data centers and autonomous systems. Now, I've, I think I've seen shown some videos of what that system looks like. Um, and moving forward, we may actually, like when I start seeing things that I find interesting, I may even play them for folks on the show uh, as a replay back um, and then maybe even talk about them. What do you guys think about that? Um, so NVIDIA's investment in developing new architectures and software has helped accelerate the AI and machine learning workloads in data centers. I mean, they, I wanna really see what their earnings look like this year because I really feel that NVIDIA is getting paid this year <laughs> like look like the amount of CUDA core technology the amount of CUDA cores that people are using up in this generative AI you know business and yeah. how much it's generating for startups and everything else look NVIDIA you better be getting paid that's all I got to say about that like you know they are. you know they are I mean that ten thousand yeah. dollar chip alone hello Look, listen. All right. So the company's development of autonomous systems technology, such as self-driving cars, drones, and robots, has the potential to disrupt several industries as we know, especially like, you know, when we think about uh when we think about industrial, those types of things, or even help on construction, you know, just the simple mundane tasks ultimately help everybody like literally get from the next point to the next point. And then NVIDIA's next potential disruption could be a development in healthcare technology. And I think that that's major because we've seen how they have been playing a major role within that space. Look at some of the work that they did alongside with AMD as it pertains to providing a lot of that tech and, and uh, like systems infrastructure to helping with like, you know, vaccine uh, discovery and mm -hmm. supercharging that. So it would be very much so interesting just to see how that's going. But like, like I said, They've already made uh, strides in this area, but one area that I want everybody to pay attention to is, and I'm going to give you a little, like, I'm going to give you guys a, a gem here. I want you guys to study up on Clara Healthcare Platform. That's Clara, C-L-A-R-A, -A, Healthcare Platform. Okay. Now, the reason why I say that is because it uses AI and machine learning to improve medical imaging and accelerate drug discovery. I, look, see, I'm out here. See, I'm, I'm look, I, I come bearing gifts to the people. I do it for <laughs> each and every single one of you, the people. All right. So when we think about how the global healthcare industry is rapidly adopting AI and the potential uh, applications for NVIDIA's GPU technology are significant. Like think about the amount of time that it would take to like literally use if you're or to, to process you know, like a full brain scan or let's say uh, a full body scan looking to discover like cancers or whatever it may be. And then on top of that, the robotics to perform some of those procedures in there. Imagine what that will look like in its processing time if you use NVIDIA systems or, you know, maybe even AMD, the underdog, if they ever get their act together. So with the increasing need for more personalized and precise medical treatments, AI-powered healthcare technology has the potential to disrupt the healthcare industry. So I want, you know, I, yeah, I just want y'all to know that, you know. 
I'll let you guys let you, I'll let your imaginations run wild there. But you know, Clara Healthcare Systems. Okay. So I'll leave it there. All right. Okay. So, but you know, one of the things that's like, I guess apparently, you know, everybody's just like, okay, I'm like a guru at AI all of a sudden is because of you know open AI. <laughs> And its quest for its quest for ethical uh, artificial intelligence. Now, of course, they're definitely on their day one ish, which is pretty much day one disruption. Um, and so, pretty much, you know, just to break it down for them, uh, pretty much their research includes new, uh, natural language processing, aka NLP, and robotics and reinforced learning. Now, you're probably starting to see reinforced learning start to take shape in GPT four. So where it's getting a little bit more contextual, it's a little bit slower, but yet at the same token, it's getting a little bit better as it pertains to refinement within this data process. So OpenAI has contributed to the development of cutting edge uh, AI technologies like GPT-4, Dolly 2, uh, and many, many others. You know, like I said, we're getting into the contextual part where AI definitely understands context uh, within certain parameters, but still is required by prompters. Now, of course, this is just generative AI. There's other AI models out there, but this is the one that the consumers, this is all they talk about. You yeah. know, there's actually, a, there's actually a kid's name that my wife once upon a told me. Mm -hmm. uh, his name was really called That's All They Talk About. But um, whole nother story. Um, they aim to establish ethical guidelines for AI's uh, development and limit its potential to harm. Um, so OpenAI's next potential disruption, though, could be developing AI for social good, like addressing environmental uh, challenges and improving access to education. Now, whoever, like, honestly, nobody's really been talking about this mm -hmm. on using generative AI for education, as well as for addressing uh, environmental challenges, as well as social other social challenges. But just think about what you would like. Think about the opportunity, the disruptive opportunity that is literally sitting there in the space that is just like ripe for the pickings, ripe for the pickings. If you think about the types of opportunities, like, and the best way to look at it is, what if you could use AI to like literally comprise and look at, and it's like, you know, think about all the social injustices out there that require disruption in order for us Somebody to get to some level of good. Somebody needs to, yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> just saying it's something to look at <laughs> now, you know, Another gem for you, but you know, <laughs> there you have it. Now, of course, <laughs> now this is not AI focused, but this is said, like, I'd be remiss if I didn't look at the sports arena because of course, sports and entertainment, they, they drive force, like they go kind of like the driving force in which that like literally pulls a lot of people together, whether you're watching a Manchester United game or Champions League or watching the NFL or, or NBA playoffs, mm -hmm. go Lakers. Um, <laughs> so shout outs to Clutch Sports. Now, if you don't know Clutch Sports, then that's the uh, founder, Rich Paul, um, who is a key proponent uh, as it pertains in one of the pretty much the right hand of LeBron James when it comes to contract negotiation and all those other things. But and so many of you are like, well, Mark, well, how is this really disruptive? Joanne, would you like to give us some color on this one? You know, as a former legal eagle. Wait, are you talking about for Rich Paul? Why? I mean, I can take it. I mean, I can take it. I, you know, I'm on a roll, so I, I just want. I'll talk about the legal one. You can talk about this one. Okay, I'm just. I'm look. I'm just trying to be a team player and share the sugar. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So when we think about disruption in sports, the agency disrupts the traditional sports management model by prioritizing individual needs and aspirations of its clients over short-term profit. So there's a lot to be said there. But, you know, the thing is, is like, you know, if you didn't have that whole model come through, 
you know, think about like the type of empowerment that they have given a lot of athletes where it's like a lot of athletes are, you know, really considering considering themselves more than an athlete. They're empowered to do other things. They've been empowered to get into other arenas like venture capital and private equity. They've been empowered to like literally establish new uh, social platforms or new platforms as it pertains to media content. And how is it that you actually see the sport? They have more power when it comes to negotiation. Um, they also, and I think that honestly, I'm going to make a big guess here. I'm not in the sports agency uh, arena space, but I'm going to just, you know, I'd be remiss <laughs> if I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't do this. Go ahead. Here's where I see where this is going to literally change. Okay. Because of the fact that you've been, and I think that they're going to stay in that player empowerment, but I think that it's going to empower players enough where you're going to see more player ownership. So, which I think has, this has now opened the door for like the Steph Curry's of the world to take on like deals where they now have equity. Cause think about it like this, Jordan didn't really have equity when he first started out with Nike. No, not when he first started out. No. <laughs> I mean, but Steph Curry mm -hmm. was taking a gamble on like, you know, a brand that he literally, you know, has pretty much carried on his shoulders. You know, now of course they got other athletes and all this other stuff, but I mean, when you think of Under Armour, now you think of Steph Curry. Yeah. And so I think that you're going to see more of those things take place given the amount of money, the amount of capital that has come forth. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more, you know, ownership step into the foray as it pertains to players having ownership either in their sport or even going across multiple sports and also maybe even challenging the norm outside of the sports arena. You know, so either it's entertainment or also even in areas of business where they start to take on more, more ownership. And I have to say that that's because of the fact that they're empowered. And that's literally a model that once upon a time that was just like, OK, hey, you know, you're a player. You stay in your lane as a player. You literally, you know, see a contract deal. It goes to your agent. Your agent tells you this is a good or a bad deal. They do a little bit of negotiation and your your agent doesn't really care because essentially they, they're going to collect the percentage off top anyways. Right. So, again, you're seeing this change. And I think that what we could also see change is the fact that you'll you may even see a new disruption within that model where it's more so in the sense of let me show you what I can do first, kind of like in the financial advisory, where it's like, let me show you what I can do first. And then essentially after I've shown you those things, then essentially it's like, OK, hey, that's where I get the payback. So, yeah. yeah. I definitely see those things happening within their space. Um, so yeah, score. <laughs> All right. So I got you. I got you. And then which drives to one of my favorites, you know, honestly, <laughs> shout out to MKBHD. Lord. <laughs> but you know, it's like you had to make things a little epic here. All right. So Epic Games was found founded by one Mr. Tim Sweeney, but their focus is on three key principles. They disrupted the gaming industry with its use of innovative game engines. So like for anybody who's a gamer out there, whenever you develop a game, you develop it on some type of graphical engine. So that way, essentially, it can be seen and the graphics are great and everything else. And then tools and monetization strategies for creators. Again, off the top, you know, completely disrupted the model because it, beforehand it was like, OK, hey, you got to go work for somebody and everything else. But now it's been democratized. And then the next thing is the focus. So Epic Games focused on cross-platform gaming and the democratization of game development has helped increase access to gaming for a wider audience. So essentially providing those tools out there as it pertains to its gaming engine and making it widely available to everybody brings significantly down the cost, which allows you to create more 
And essentially it opens up the door for more audiences to be able to have access to content or even build content. So there's that. And then of course, open. Unreal Engine, uh, which is the technology that is made by Epic Games. Um, so the technology has been used in a variety of industries beyond gaming, such as film, architecture, and automotive design. So when you think about like some of the most, you know, some of the greatest movies that you see out there on stage, you know, or, or on a theater screen, nine times out of 10, they probably have some type of Unreal Engine uh, impact. And the cool things in which that they're doing now are requiring where it's like where it would take months for CGI and everything else to do, they can do in a matter of minutes. So right. how does this disrupt things? Because <laughs> sure. everybody's like, okay, how is this going to disrupt? And I know a lot of folks are like, just, you know, I think a lot of folks are salivating at this to see exactly when do they go to, uh, when will Epic Games become a publicly traded company, which just waiting. that would be amazing. But, you know, because a lot of folks don't realize that the same company that makes the Unreal Engine also makes Fortnite. So think about that. But all right. So what's the next disruption that they're that they're going to do? I think that they're going to literally disrupt the metaverse. There. I said it. It's on record. It's documented. I I think that they're going to definitely be that major piece that literally drives forth you know, what the metaverse will be. And now, of course, you'll have other players out there that, that make the, the equipment for it, mm-hmm. but they will be the thing that ultimately powers everything, making such graphical standards and everything else so much more accessible to even from high tier to lower tier devices, AKA making that technology accessible to everybody. Um, so it's, it's just something that I would love for people to pay attention to. You know, when you look at companies like Apple, they will definitely be utilizing Unreal Engine. Uh, When you think about Facebook, they're already using Unreal Engine. HTC Vive, they're already using it. Sony, they're already using it. And I think that it's just going to consistently disrupt. And I think that, honestly, the next thing will be where I think that the movie industry and film, I think that that's also going to have an even further disruption as it pertains to, like, you know, you're going to see, like, somebody on the indie side literally create an action film just using Unreal Engine. And it's gonna be a blockbuster film. I that That's gonna be something that I'm gonna say within the next five years, we'll probably see. Okay, that sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, and the final slide, I okay. pawn it back over to you okay. in the criminal justice system. <laughs> right, we need that sound. <laughs> All right, y'all. Doink, so, doink. Up next, and for our last one, we got Rocket Lawyer, founded by Charlie Moore. And what's cool about uh, Rocket Lawyer, as far as it comes to their moment of disruption, they introduced um, a user-friendly online platform for legal services um, that basically made legal services more accessible. And also they use technology to streamline all of these legal processes, which then resulted in reduction in cost. Um, and then what they focused on was those two things, accessibility and affordability. So mm-hmm. all those things, you think about the traditional legal market, you think of, well, at least I think of, especially as a former attorney, I think of like dusty law books. I think of like textile things like, you know, um, where you have to like go into someone's office and have that face-to-face conversation about whatever your legal problem is. And then, you know, have the contract drafted. There's this all this like laborious language. But now with Rocket Lawyer, um, those things have been disrupted. So you can go online 
and get something that, you know, like a will or a contract, a lease, uh, articles of incorporation, all those things that before you would need to pay an attorney their, um, you know, billable hours and have a retainer and all that. Now you don't necessarily need to do all that. You can, many of these things you can go online. Another thing also, Mark, is that people uh, probably don't realize unless you, you know, work closely with attorneys, a lot of this stuff is what we call boilerplate. So it's just standard language that has to be a part of a contract. And there's no reason to reinvent the will. So it all just pretty much sounds the same, AKA like legalese. And um, legalese is not necessarily accessible language, right? Um, Your arguments are much more potent when they are simplified and it's easy to understand. So um, that's like some of the ways of how Rocket Lawyer has disrupted things. But also um, how this overall has changed the market is that now um, now that things are more accessible and affordable, a lot of attorneys that want to, um, you know, when you want to be an attorney, for example, uh, you, <laughs> Mark, that was for you, the for example, uh, say, for example, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> say, for example, no, um, these services aren't necessarily the focus of an attorney. And it's similar, Mark, to like how AI is disrupting things and making those kind of, um, I don't want to call them administrative tasks, but some of those tasks that are easier for um, AI, aka Aisha, to just process like this. Now, like something, it takes the human out of it and the human can then focus on like other things that require more creativity. Because legal arguments require creativity. You like, you really got to be in your creative bag. If you're a litigator and you have, you know, a jury, you have to be in your creative bag when it comes to your arguments and making that statement and that lasting impression. Otherwise, jury's going to get bored. Number one, you can't have that. Um, I used to be a litigator. My conviction rate was uh, 97%. Um, Jesus. Yes, out here. So anyway, I'm not showing up in her court. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, Mark, this is one of those areas that is so traditional and you know, kind of like stoic for something like this to interrupt or not interrupt, but to disrupt it. Really does create um, a whole new lane where now um, services that are needed, you need legal services. Now that legal services, you know, are needed, you're able to access them um, and be able to afford them. It's one thing to access it, but then also to be able to afford it, that does make a difference. So, Mark, what is your prediction in this realm when it comes to um, legal services? <laughs> so. Uh, with the, I think it's like they charge you like what is it, fifty bucks or something like that on a monthly basis to like. It's know, pretty. I don't know. It's, it's pretty. It's, I mean, subscription-based model. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what Rocket Lawyer will look like when they add in generative AI into you know drafting such documents and legalese. Well, they better um, hurry up, Mark, because I be ask Aisha to be an attorney all the time, and she. <laughs> You know, I she has her JD, you know, <laughs> <laughs> literally she passed the bar. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I think that that's going to be a major space for them. Um, but you are right. They have to hurry up. I mean, yeah, now here's one thing that a lot of folks don't realize. Mm-hmm. And here's a here's a thing for people to understand. Did you know that the founder of Rocket Lawyer happens to be one of us? No, but it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. Charlie Moore 
It's a brother that literally came up with this great idea who's a lawyer Mm -hmm. and realized that essentially how is it that, you know, I can get away with not having to do so much process and essentially like simplify it for, you know, folks out there that are looking to have simple legalese. So yeah, that's, that's kind of dope. All right. So if you looked at some of the companies in which that we brought forth, we've given you a whole array across the entire spectrum of companies that are in the midst of innovation, those, you know, that have innovation ahead of them. But the beautiful thing about it is it really lets you know exactly how bright their futures are. Like that's the, that's the amazing thing. And the other part is where you see disruption. And then on top of that, look at where, how they've also like kind of like force the rest of the market to also have to adjust when markets adjust, that gives an advantage to the disruptor because now that the markets have to adjust and if the disruptor is already there, it gives them advantage, but also as, as somewhat a, of a disadvantage because now you go back out there on a lonely island all over again to push something out there. So it's pretty interesting to like, you know, just put it out there for everybody for perspective. But, you know, I've, I felt like, you know, this kind of like culminates the disruptive part of the series of executive education. So now as we move forward and, you know, higher level of, you know, process or thinking or subjects, you know, I think that this is something where I want everybody to think about as it pertains to core. So homework, because, you know, we wouldn't be the come up series if we didn't give you a homework, right? So I want you to look at like for those. And I know that a lot of folks here are investors and traders. So and a lot of you are looking at it as it pertains to long term. Now, also, if you work at a company. I, you know, you may want to also use this as a way to look at the company and then what should you work for as it pertains to where you see if they have a future or if things are going to start getting a little bit stagnant. All right. So what I want you to do is I want you to ask yourself if it's a company within your portfolio, if it's a company that you work for, what have they disrupted? Keyword, have they disrupted? Okay. Past tense. And then on top of that, what I want you to do is also examine, has the market adjusted yet? Has the market adjusted to the disruption of what the company that you work for or the company that you invest in? Have they done that? And if they have, what is the company that you are invested in or work for? What is it that, you, what is it that they're doing for the next disruption? Because they have to be thinking about that for the next level in order, and especially in these types of markets, not just the stock market, but just markets in general, global market account, global economy. You know, how do they stay not only relevant, but how do they stay ahead of the space and, and still remain in that leadership? So again, let's recap. What have they done? Mm-hmm. How has the market adjusted? And then on top of that, what is it that they're doing for the next set of disruption? Okay. If they're not, if they're, <laughs> if they're not really looking at like, you know, really challenging themselves, Oh, now it still doesn't mean that they can't do it, but it's just like, okay, hey, why would you give your competition so much advantage? Right. You know, sometimes it does make sense. And, and that's another part. If they haven't disrupted, here's a caveat to that. If they haven't disrupted, is it because of the fact of resources aren't available yet? Or the fact is, is that they're still in R&D? Or could it also be that the fact that the market is just now starting to accept what the, what the other market folks are catching up to? Okay. So like, for example, the easiest one that I can give you is, you know, Mark with the hard homework. Oh, it's, 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 it's good. You guys got this. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if, if I gave you the example of Tesla, right? Cause mm-hmm. Tesla was ahead of the game as it pertains to creating electric vehicles. Now, of course, the other vehicle manufacturers are now, the market is now starting to react to electric vehicles. Now it's been since 2012 and now we're in 2023. So it lets you know what kind of a head start you're dealing with. 
But now it's like, okay, but think about how fast some companies have like moved forward in such process. So now the question is, what is Tesla doing now to consistently disrupt or to disrupt the next thing? What is their next, their next disruption? And that's honestly what investors want. And honestly, the information is there. I will tell you, if you're looking at a company like Tesla, the information is there. If you're looking at any of the companies that we mentioned, public or non-publicly traded, the information is there. You know, it's it's definitely there. And if maybe if you go back and watch this episode, you may even see some of those clues that were somewhat hinted, you know, purposefully. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Jolyn, uh, thank you for allowing me to rock. And thank you for rocking with me yes. on this one. And uh, thank each and every single one of you for watching. So if you like what you heard, go ahead and hit the like button down below. If you already did it, then, you know, did we live up to expectations? Hopefully we did. Um, and until next time, I'm Mark Monroe. And I'm Jolyn GC in the place to be. And this was Executive Education. Until next time, y'all, peace.